You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, guys? Matt Wilson coming to you with another episode of the Live Different Podcast. And today I'm coming with a somber episode, but hopefully a highly inspirational one about what you can learn about entrepreneurship, leadership, management, personal growth, motivation, everything that we can take from the tragedy of passing of Kobe Bryant, someone who I never thought that I could be so upset and so attached to through their passing. But wow, this one hit me pretty hard. And uh, people all over the world have been really, really shocked by this. But he was such an inspirational figure, such a beloved person, and uh, such a motivated human in so many aspects of life far beyond basketball. So I get together with my good friend, Rajiv Nathan, who you have heard on the Lift Different podcast, episode four, how to be unconventional and justify it. Number 16, how to do what gives you goosebumps. Then hadn't heard him from a while till episode 104, break the busy habit, find your big why and sell yourself. And also number 72, screw being safe and happy, break the mold. Raj is just a great guy. We're obviously basketball fans, uh, but he runs a podcast over at the Startup Hype Man. And I hope you guys bring a lot of value out of this. We simulcasted this to both of our podcasts. He opens it up. Just an incredible story. Hope to pay tribute to one of our heroes and hope that you can take something away from this. So thank you guys so much. Life is short. Live life to its fullest and get ready for another episode. Welcome everybody to Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I am your host, Raj Nation, and this is a special bonus episode that I never thought I would be doing. Specifically today, we are on the heels of the tragedy that is the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna Bryant. And when this happened, I have to say I was, you know, I heard about it. I literally just finished teaching a yoga class. And then I looked at my phone afterwards and saw all these text messages. And I was just so deeply torn up by it and kind of talk more about that over the next several minutes. But earlier today, Matt Wilson, who is on the line with me here, sent me a text and was like, hey, man, you want to like, get together and just, I don't know, record a conversation on talking about Kobe. And I was like, hey, I was, yeah, I was actually thinking of doing that myself. So why don't we just jump on a call together and do it? So Matt, uh, Matt Wilson is the co-founder and CEO of Under 30 Experiences. He has been a three-time guest on this show in the past. However, in this case, I don't even want to say like Matt is a guest. I think we're just two friends who are having a conversation about something that's impacted us. So Matt, uh, hi. What's up, Raj? Sad, <laughs> sad that this is why we're coming together, but man, just terrible thing. Honestly, I never thought that I would be so impacted by the loss of somebody that I never met in person. You know, don't yeah. know the guy. You know, and that's exactly what I think I've told five or six different people is for someone I never knew and very likely was never going to meet, it has so deeply affected me. And I've never in the past, when a celebrity has died, I've never really cared. 
you know, it's, it's sad. I'm not, I don't take that away, but I've never, it's never been something that has affected my day really in any way. And when this happened, you know, at this point now, it's, I'd say it's about just about 24 hours since when I learned of it and about 26, 27 hours from when the, it actually happened. I can't tell you like that feeling has not left me of like, I don't know, like the pit in your stomach, you feel bad, like telling jokes and laughing. And it, I guess it is, it's just like a feeling of being in mourning, right? Totally. I mean, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning thinking about it and I was like, this is not real. This is, this is a bad dream or that's what I, I just happened to open my computer on Sunday afternoon and I saw it pretty immediately. And it was just that, unfortunately, that kind of disgusting, everybody's trying to search for what happened. And, you know, you're looking at TMZ and Twitter and different reports. And I just kind of had to shut it, shut the computer. And of course, you know, a ton of text messages from friends, including yourself. It's a terrible thing, but I guess there's so many takeaways from Kobe. And I just loved following him for so many reasons. I guess I framed it a little bit. Well, first of all, to me, it was like, why am I so upset about this? I, I don't know the guy or like, I'm not a pop culture person. I mean, I love sports. I always have, but I started to think about it. And I was 10 years old when Kobe got drafted at 17 and nothing was more important to me at 10 years old than basketball. Nothing, mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. Same. And that this guy is you know, not that much older than a 10 year old going to play in the pros. That was just so incredible to me and watching his first couple seasons. Yeah, I was a huge fan from the beginning and then just seeing him, his transition now after the game has been really inspiring. I mean, I'm, I, I watched several interviews in the last couple of weeks with him and in-depth stuff that I've spent. There was this one on, on Showtime with Matt Barnes up in smoke where it was just a couple NBA players talking about authentically what it was like to be in the league and what they're doing now, what their lives are like. And it, it's just always been so cool to me too see that and how the game is transitioning and the access that you have to people. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. My introduction to Kobe, and I think why I have enjoyed him or cared about him so much as an athlete and as a person. And by the way, for context, for everyone listening, while, you know, my podcast, Norm Matt's podcast is a sports show today. I mean, it's really, I think it's something that impacts and ripples beyond sports and we ultimately will get to a point in this where we kind of talk through the, I think, how it impacts people as just what we can learn from them as, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as people who have responsibility at the end of the day. And I think um, it's something that everyone can, you know, hopefully listen to this and, and gain something out of. But my sort of love for Kobe, the player, started, like you said, like when he got drafted and and to... But in perspective, like timeline-wise, you know, I grew up in the Michael Jordan Bulls era, like in the heart of where basketball was at its most popular is where I grew up. The most popular team of all, you know, arguably of all time and the most popular player ever in Michael Jordan. And that's what I grew up watching. Realistically, though, I really only remember vividly the Bulls of the last three titles. 
was a little bit too young. I remember seeing a couple of games here and there, but I definitely do remember watching the 93 finals over the Suns or anything before that. But I vividly remember Jordan's last three years with the Bulls and the three championships that they won. And because of Michael Jordan and my love for him and how inspiring of a player he was, I just came to love basketball. And like you said, Matt, like that was everything. And that's like, you know, to the extent of like imitating these players on the driveway, you're like saying the announcer's voice and you're like, Jordan, two seconds left, fade away. You know, like that kind of stuff, just shooting hoops on the driveway. And for whatever reason, second to the Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets were my second favorite team. I don't really remember why. I think it's because I was also a big Muggsy Bogues fan. I just Love think he was you know, like the short guy who could do a bunch of stuff, right? So I was a big Hornets fan. And what many, if you don't follow basketball closely, what you wouldn't know is that on that draft day, the Charlotte Hornets actually drafted Kobe Bryant. And then same draft day trade, which they will forever you know, regret, they trade him for Tony Delk to the Los Angeles Lakers. And it is because the Hornets drafted him that I immediately started just following his career and being obsessed with him. I still remember the first, and I was collecting basketball cards like crazy at that point, like the trading cards. I still remember the first like Kobe Bryant rookie. It was like the Fleer Ultra brand that I have. And, you know, now like after all this, I'm going to go back to my parents' house in the bedroom and like collect all those Kobe cards. But, but that's where I started like really paying attention to Kobe, like right out of the gate, his rookie year. and. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a time and a place where I could see the last three years of Jordan's greatness and then the beginning and all the way to the end of Kobe's greatness. And I got to, especially because I was local in the broadcast, maybe it was an NBC broadcast anyways, but at least I was seeing because I was in Chicago. I got to see Jordan versus Kobe and how amazing that was. Even Kobe as a young player stack up just like hold his own weight against the greatest player of all time, one, two years into the league. And I think this is why, at least from my end, why I think it's so impactful just from an athlete perspective is I think LeBron James ultimately will go down as a better basketball player than Kobe Bryant. And just LeBron's just a freak athlete. But... I think Kobe is the closest we had to Michael Jordan for the drive and the killer instinct and the way that they played the game, right? They were both 6'6 shooting guards and they both played the game in very similar ways. And I think not just the way they would shoot or the types of moves they would take, again, the mental will to win and push people beyond their limitations and get in other people's heads too. Right. That's something that, and I'm not trying to make this like a Kobe versus LeBron thing or anything, but that's what I think about, like why I hold Kobe in such high regard and, and why I look up to him so much is I think LeBron's an amazing player, but I can think of specific games where I've seen like LeBron kind of just like give up. And even if Kobe's down 50, he's still going to push it, you know, wire to wire. And, and that I think is that, that like spirit that everyone I think could resonate with because, you know, and I've been watching over the last day now, all the different analysts um, on ESPN and, and different news channels talk about why was he great. And I think it's that the way he played the game, the way he approached it in a way kind of helped us see like we could be great too. 
that's what he really hit on. Some of these great players, they still have their pouty face, right? LeBron, he has a pouty face sometimes out there when things aren't going his way. But Kobe, and sure, I didn't watch every one of his games, but I can just think of it's just like he could turn that Mamba mentality, as they say. He just can't still was so driven. He was just still always out for blood where I thought of Kevin Durant today, right? Like, mm. sure, he might, when he hit that big shot when he was on Golden State, yeah, that was great. But basically, I think most people would say, yeah, he just didn't have that. He just doesn't have that. It's the killer instinct. You could just write him off. Like, he doesn't want, yeah, he doesn't want it bad enough. And so that's the type of thing where I, I go on Kobe Bryant binges sometimes and just watch, I don't even, I watch his interviews when he talks about his mentality and that motivates me. And just to, I guess, to give everybody quick backstory on, on why I love and we can Kobe so much and I, we can get yeah. into more stuff that people can take away. But so I'm a few years older than you, Raj, and I come from a big Michigan State family because my family's from Michigan and they watched Magic in high school. He was so big and they were at State right around roughly the same time Magic was. And then he got drafted by the Lakers, you know? And so I born in the eighties, like my dad would stay up late and watch the Lakers on the West coast all the time. And I was a huge basketball fan since I was, I don't know, four or five years old. So, you know, of course I became a Jordan fan and it was the passing of the torch and the growth of the game, which is so cool to see into a global brand before magic and bird, right? These the game was not anything like it was, right? They talk about that 1979 Magic versus Bird NCAA championship as turning point for basketball. And then, okay, they passed the torch on to Jordan. And what I was explaining to Luz last night was it was crazy to see. Uh, we were watching his documentary, The Muse, and to see the passing of the torch, uh, Jordan saying great things about him. And so Jordan kind of passed the torch to him. And then just the night before the guy is killed, LeBron passes him to be the second all-time leading scorer. And Kobe, just being such a class act, posts on his Instagram picture of them greeting each other at a Lakers game, the first one that he had ever been to since he retired. And he didn't say passing the torch. I can't remember what the caption exactly was, but he said, you know, he congratulated him. Some guys are so hurt when their records are broken, but he said they want to see the game grow and know the impact that it can have on, on people from all walks of life and keep kids off the streets and keep them motivated and teach them things and leadership and all of this. And Kobe very graciously passed that on to LeBron. And so, Kobe was still so relevant, which is why it's so hard for everybody, I think. Yeah, and, and to that point of passing the torch, Ramona Shelburne on ESPN wrote a really good article today, and she said how when Kobe retired, she wanted to let every other reporter write their story first, and then she wanted to like, have this one that would just like, top, top all the other stories. And she was like, and that was my pitch to Kobe in the winter of 2016. Like, you know, we'll write like the last, like I'll write the last one on you and it'll be, you know, it'll, 
best all these other articles about you that have come out about your retirement and your legacy. And she's like, you know, I thought that audacity would, would appeal to him. And she's like, no, he said he would do a story with me about his life, but not out of either mine or his vanity. And, and she writes that he said, I'm not interested in self-serving pieces. It has to be something where an athlete reads this and is inspired by something, learns something, and pushes themselves. And I feel like we don't get that enough. We get a lot of, let's talk about my accolades and let's keep reflecting on me and let's, let me hold on to this stuff as long as I can. Again, like I grew up you know, watching the best Bulls teams of all time. So I, I remember the 72 and 10 season. And even a couple of years back when the Warriors broke the Bulls record, right? They were what, 73 and nine that year. And there was an interview, it was like a casual like living room camera setup with Scottie Pippen and Ron Harper, who were obviously Bulls players on the 1996 te- 95-96 team. And Pippen was, he was like, oh, like, I really like this Warriors team. I really want them to go all the way, but I really don't want them to break our record. And it's just a different mentality that I think only a select few have. And, you know, I think what more leaders or more entrepreneurs should be about is ultimately like this idea of being in service to others. No, I, I, I caught something on Instagram. It was from Ariana Huffington's brand, Thrive. And they posted a Kobe quote and it said, the most important thing is to try to inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. And that's, you never gave up, like we said, and maybe, maybe it sounds cliche, but all of this translated then into his business and his family life and everything that he did. I mean, there was a reason the guy took a helicopter everywhere because he wanted to get back and spend as much time with his daughters as he possibly could. Part of this, I think the struggle around coming to grips with this whole thing is to see just how much he was succeeding post-basketball, which so many athletes struggle to do. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this as well, is they wrap up their identity in their profession. And Kobe lived as a basketball player, lived that 100% every single day while he was a basketball player. But then once he retired, he found where else he could take his passions. What, other, what else could he explore? And what else did he, could, did he want to become great at? And that's where we saw, you know, the emergence of like, and I didn't really know this until some of the stories over the last day that have come out, just like how much he was beginning to champion women's basketball. I mean, this guy, a year after retiring, wins an Oscar. Who does that? <laughs> you know? And, and I remember watching that. And I never really watch award shows, but I happened to watch that night. And I was like, Kobe just won an Oscar? And I remember being like, of course Kobe would win an Oscar. Only he would somehow manage to not just like attempt to do a movie after playing basketball, but do it and get the highest recognition for it in the entire industry. Absolutely. And that's what I enjoyed about this interview that he just did. And I can link it to link to it in my show notes for the Lifted From podcast. But he did this one with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, this interview, and it's just three ex-NBA players talking about life. And 
he says, yeah, I can get any meeting that I want anywhere because I'm Kobe Bryant. He didn't say exactly like that. He was more humble when he said it. He didn't have to say because I'm Kobe Bryant. So everyone's clear how he can get any meeting. It's not already obvious, (laughs) but he said then after they would pitch me and they would just want to use, and he said this, meaning like they wanted to use my face, but he's like, all right, that was the last 20 years. I'm about what the next 20 years is going to look like and how are we going to build that? And just to see him take that mentality then into the business world, we were texting yesterday and one of my favorite stories about Kobe was uh, from the Bill Simmons podcast and they had Chris Saka on. He's an extremely successful venture capitalist and uh, he was on Shark Tank and original investor in Twitter. And he... Sure. Yeah. Uber. He t- and they talk about how Kobe just became obsessed with tech investing and he wanted to learn everything. And when you have the ability to connect with the smartest people in the world on this stuff and you have that work ethic, of course, he's going to be successful because he's just, you know, he was a smart guy. And so he's texting Chris Sock at all hours of the night, you know, because you know, he's just up late diving into companies and trying to dissect them. And Chris Saka's wife was like, are you having an affair with Kobe Bryant? Because he's just <laughs> keeping the guy up at all, all hours of the night. But that's just that mentality. You know, when I wake up early, I say, yeah, that, what do you think Kobe? It's like Kobe's famous for 4 a.m. workouts. And after he got back when he was 18 years old and he shot those four air balls, in the playoffs against the Utah Jazz, they got back to LA and he went straight to the high school gym down the street from his house and he shot from three o'clock in the morning, probably no sleep the entire day just yeah. to get better. Most guys, they get knocked out of the playoffs, they go home, have a few beers, feel depressed for a couple of days. They don't really care as much as Kobe did. Now he shot all day. Yeah. That's... It's just incredible that, you know, we call it, or it became known as ultimately as like the Mamba mentality, but that is so much of what we can learn as entrepreneurs, as leaders is just being able to fully immerse yourself in your discipline, you know, whatever it is, just complete and total immersion and essentially obsessing over doing it as good as you possibly can. And even when you think you've done enough, uh-uh, there's still more to go. I heard, I think it was uh, Max Kellerman this morning on ESPN's First Take say, he didn't teach us that practice makes perfect. He taught us that perfect practice makes perfect. Totally. I mean, it's just putting in the reps and the way that he would talk about the things that he had to do to get his body prepared was so interesting. And just when he would speak about his family life, you know, and you don't know this is someone's persona, but he just seemed to be all about his kids all the time. He, he just wrote a children's book. And what he said is he wanted to write something that was about what real girls that look like his daughter's go through. And, you know, there's princesses, right? But, but you can't, a real girl can't really relate to a princess. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly 
Right. That could, you know, there's probably a better, more realistic way to put ideas in kids' heads. And yeah, especially if you're Kobe Bryant's daughters, like you're going to be real life princesses, but there's a certain way to raise them. And that's the other terribly tragic part about all this is that his 13 year old daughter was, she was a great basketball player. She was, as he said, hell bent on getting into UConn, the top women's school for basketball of all time. And yeah, he just had so many things beyond basketball. And, and I said this to Luz the other night. And Luz is going on a little coach. Just for yeah, yeah. clarification. Yeah. Uh, we were going on a, a Kobe binge and I could not send pictures of Kobe and with his family and his wife, Luz's Latina, and send them to her fast enough because they were just just such people that you wanted to emulate. Like it's, it seems a little weird. It's a little weird. Like, oh yeah, they're just celebrities or, or whatever, but you could connect, you could connect with these people and they were inspiring figures, no matter what you say. Like I, I didn't realize that I was so attached. To yeah. Somebody. Right. And know. that's, it's, that's what's so strange is again, how I was surprised, I think both of us are, of how much this affects us. You know, because like, and I'm not trying to trivialize anything else or wish ill upon anyone, but I feel like if this happened to another athlete, like, like Tom Brady's the greatest football player, arguably ever. But if I heard, I don't know, Tom Brady passed away, I don't, I don't know if I would feel it so much. I'm sure Patriots fans would, but I don't know if I would feel it that way. And I, and I don't know, maybe it's a product of caring more about basketball than football, but more than anything, I think it speaks to Kobe did manage to transcend the game. And that's why I think you see so many people even outside of the basketball world care. Like my girlfriend, Minakshi, she casually watched basketball, you know, here and there when she lived in India. But like, she's not a sports fan by any means. And like when she learned about this, like we had to console each other. You know, it wasn't just her like, saying, I'm sorry to me, like it was back and forth. Like she felt affected by this. And, you know, on Kobe's end, that is just a different level of greatness that I don't even think Michael Jordan has achieved. Michael Jordan will go down as the greatest basketball player. However, I mean, we've seen like Michael Jordan's second act has been a struggle. He doesn't really like, he kind of shies away from the public. I know he has, he has questionable fashion choices and at best he's a subpar team owner. <laughs> he never really found it after basketball. And I think, and, and, you know, you come back to what can entrepreneurs learn from this. I don't know exactly what Kobe Bryant's why his W H Y was his why for himself was. But what I can say almost certainly is that he found a way to live his why. And, and what I have you know, learned and taught over the last several years is that your why is not a profession. It is the reason behind the things that you care about. And that's what I think we saw from Kobe is you know, his ascension into post-basketball life um, and how much he was succeeding is he was living his why day in and day out to the extent that when basketball ended, 
he knew he could just channel it in different ways moving forward and still have a lot of fun and still be really good. And that perfection seemed to make him happy. Mm. And when you look at Michael Jordan, I've gone back when Michael Jordan turned 50 and read his, ESPN does a great article on him. And it really, it shows the, the drive that Jordan had, but he seemed pretty miserable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. that Jordan, like you see him, Kobe's got amazing smile, uh, all this. Jordan doesn't give off that charisma by any means mm-hmm. uh, when you see him in interviews. Like he seemed, Jordan seemed very self-centered, I think, where Kobe, he wanted so much from the people around him. And sure, people could say, oh yeah, Kobe wasn't a great leader. Uh, there are some people who say that because he was so maniacal and he would swear at everybody because he wanted the best out of them because mm-hmm. he was putting in the reps, he was putting in the work, but people could not be on his level. Like he was upset with Shaq because Shaq didn't play very hard. He didn't need to. And when you think about, right, if you have people on your team who don't seem to give a shit, and this relates to all entrepreneurs, or if you're managing people, or if you're a CEO or an entrepreneur or a manager, there's a certain balance. And sure, Shaq was the guy joking around and bringing everybody together. And Kobe was the one saying, hey, we got to work harder. You guys have to work harder because you guys aren't shit compared to me. And that was some people might have like that rubs people the wrong way, probably in the locker room. But I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but don't fuck with Kobe, you know? Or just the the Matt Barnes story that he tells on on his podcast. So Matt Barnes is a you know decent player, whatever. But he did a, a famous ball fake at Kobe, where he was it was an inbounds pass, and he yeah. went to, to throw it <laughs> yeah. like at Kobe's face, and Kobe didn't flinch, and he stopped like a millimeter before his his yeah. like could have broken Kobe's nose, right? And Kobe did not flinch for a second. He was just so focused. And then, all right, entrepreneur recruiting strategy. Apparently, Kobe said something to the effect when he was trying to get Barnes to come and play on his team. Anybody who's crazy enough to fuck with me (laughs) is crazy enough to play with me. (laughs) And that's what he was trying to create around him. And every time he saw this guy, in an interview, yeah, even if it was like he kind of had no filter at the end of his career and was always swearing in front of the media. And if he was upset because people weren't playing hard enough or they lost, like he would just tell it as it is. And to me, there's something admirable about that in our very cushy, politically correct society of today, where like if you're on Kobe's team, work hard or get the fuck out. Yeah. So a couple of things I want to just dovetail off of what what you talked about there. So starting with, we were talking about Jordan and and sort of Jordan at 50, that article that ESPN wrote and just kind of seemed like he was a little bit sad. I I remember when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, this was, I believe, 2011. He actually was like a little bit annoyed at first because he's like, well, this means I can't come back again. 
Like I can't come back and play in the NBA again. And I think that's just the difference, right? Where Kobe's like, I don't need to ever play another NBA game and I'll be so happy because I have these other things to focus on. And a couple lessons from that, like we said, like let the why pervade through everything that you do. But I think also like, I think entrepreneurs get so, especially in, in startup ecosystem, they tend to get so worked up in the work that they let every other aspect of their life just crumble. They become pretty shitty friend. Relationships, you know, maybe with their spouse can suffer. They don't eat well. All of those things. And I think what Kobe showed us was you can obsess over something and be amazing at it while not letting the other things slip either. And that just ability to be well-rounded is something that, again, we rarely see otherwise. The other thing that I think that a lot of startup founders and leaders can relate to is if you look at Kobe's career, and I believe this was, again, on first take this morning, I think it was Max Kellerman who brought, brought up this topic in this respect, is at every stage of Kobe's career, there were question marks about his career. So like he enters the league at 17 years old, straight out of high school, this big prospect, who, who by the way, somehow was not the number one pick. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember who was the number one pick that year, but I think Kobe was like sixth, right? Uh, yeah, maybe even seventh, but I, you know, nobody wanted to take a gamble on a high school. Maybe it was yeah. Iverson actually, because they came out the same year. Yeah, and he says in his documentary, he's like, I saw other people out there making it, making a difference and and they clipped to Iverson, but he was one of the first people that I could remember that came straight from the high school. Yeah, I think the year before that, KG did. And I think besides that, it hadn't been, I think it had been illegal or it just hadn't been done since like Moses Malone. And still not, and not legal anymore. Is that correct? Yeah, although next year they're bringing it back or in two years. But in any case, so, you know, he enters the league with all this hype, this, you know, this stud out of high school coming into the NBA. And the question is, is he worth all the hype? And he answers that question. Then the question is, can he win a championship? And he goes and wins three in a row. But the question is, can he win without Shaq? You know, it takes a few years, but ultimately he ends up winning two back-to-back again later on and ultimately making five total. And so what you see here is at every stage, it's like he was a company that was scaling up, right? Throughout his 20-year career. And all the way until his quote-unquote exit when he retired, there were different questions that faced the company, the brand, the person that is Kobe Bryant. But he lived up to, and he didn't shy away from those questions at any point. He, he stepped up to, he leaned into those questions and he answered them emphatically, just as, as a company scales, essentially out of the gate, it's, can you get product market fit, which is the kind of the equivalent of Kobe Bryant, are you going to live up to this hype? Can you fit in the NBA, right? Do you have product market fit? Then from there, it is, can you win a championship? And you know, you could relate that to a number of things, but it's essentially like, can you scale, right? If you're running a company and then it's okay, well, can you prove a repeatable revenue model and scale this multiple years over, which Kobe did with multiple titles. And then it's, 
okay, well, now the question, Kobe, is can you win without Shaq? And then I feel like in running a company, it's like, okay, well, can you continue to produce and create and grow the revenue even more when your team changes, right? Your co-founder leaves you and whatever happens when you got to fire the COO. And again, Kobe, he never shied away from those questions. He always stepped up to them and he answered them emphatically every single time. And that I think is what is just another amazing thing that we can take as business people back to our businesses. Absolutely. And just that, again, you point back to that competitive drive. What did he say after he won his fifth? He said, that's one more than Shaq. <laughs> that's exactly what he said. And it was anything but why? Because he worked harder than Shaq. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Shaq was big, right? Coming back to that work ethic, I'll share the Jay Williams story and then maybe we can close out by just, um, I don't know, I guess maybe our final thoughts or maybe what we, whatever, however we feel, we'll, we'll figure it out once we get there. <laughs> and this is something, you know, I first heard this story probably, th- I don't know, three years ago or so. And I was just like, that is amazing. And that is the embodiment of this person. Never thought I'd be saying it almost in an obituary like situation as I am now, but Jay Williams, who was a top pick by the Chicago Bulls in the early 2000s. He ultimately had a motorcycle accident of his own that cut his career short, and he's now an analyst on ESPN. But Jay Williams shared the story of how the Bulls were were playing the Lakers in LA, and Jay thought he could just like go to the gym, get to the arena like at like two in the afternoon, and just work on his shot. He's like, you know, I just, I just wanted to like take four hundred shots, or maybe it was make four hundred shots, something like that. But Jay Williams is himself going in for like a pretty intense pregame workout, right? Shooting four hundred times is no joke. And again, if it's if it was, I don't know if it was attempted or made. If it's made, that's even less of a joke. And, you know, he's like, it's two in the afternoon and I get to Staples Center and I step onto the court and on the other end of the court, Kobe's actually already there, like in a full on sweat. He's not like stretching. He is in a full sweat and he is, he's doing game moves. Like he's like jab stepping and taking jump shots. And so, you know, I do my 400 shots and I work out on the court there for like two hours and I go to the sideline, I take my shoes off, and Kobe's still working on the other end, just, you know, sweat pouring down. I go and I take an ice bath, and then I shower, and I come out of the locker room, and I still hear the ball bouncing. And Kobe is still working. This guy got here before me, worked harder than me while I was there, and then was still working out after I finished. And he's like, and I'm thinking for sure, like, he's going to be tired tonight. He goes, that night, which is only five hours later probably at that point, he goes, Kobe dropped 40 on us that night. He's like, you know, and, and after the game, I had to ask him, why, why were you in the gym for so long today? Where did that come from? And Kobe told him, because I saw you come in and I needed you to know that no matter how hard you work, I am still willing to work harder than you. It's definitely my favorite Kobe story. I think it's very representative of that competitive spirit and his will and drive to just be amazing in his pursuit. And I think it's something we should all take a, a lesson from. And it is, you know, like you run a company, I run a company. 
people listening to this, many of them run companies and we have competition, right? Are we willing to outwork the competition to be as great as we you know, possibly can? That, that I think is, is the lesson and then the question we need to be able to reflect on and you know, answer for ourselves taking from Kobe. I love that story. And I had heard that actually now that you recount it and comes down to leading by example. And sure, if we're in the tech scene, the startup scene, yeah, there are people on our, our own teams who you want to outwork and feel competitive towards, against, however you want to frame it. And sure, some of these people you collaborate with as well, and that's great. But setting that bar high for yourself makes the people around you better. And that's what Kobe did for the entire world. Mm -hmm. NBA is a global game. You know, Tom Brady has his helmet on and he's out there half the game with 11 other guys on the field. Kobe is out there 42 minutes again. And I think part of it is the sport, right? In basketball, one person truly can take over and own and dominate and win the game. Whereas like in baseball, you physically cannot do that. Sure. Sure. You know, you're one of nine guys out there in baseball and you got a hat covering, covering yourself up, but you're out there in the limelight. There's only one guy they want to talk to after. And you started at 17. And when you, when everybody looks at their own journey, yeah, it's just so cool to, to be able to draw inspiration from other places like that. I encourage everybody to watch uh, Muse, his documentary that he put out, which I really enjoyed. But he had a, a quote that he opens it with, and he says, There is power in understanding the journey of others to help create your own. And mm. it's just such a powerful way to live your life. And I love that he was well rounded and he used that same mentality at home to be the best father and husband that he could be. It translated well to the business world and movies and books and just incredible. I'll, I'll always be a huge Kobe fan. So yeah, appreciate, appreciate you inviting yeah. me to collaborate on this, Raj. Thank you. Oh, it, was, it was kind of a mutual thing, but you know, one thing I will say, you, you say like with the hats and helmets versus not having to wear any of that, part of it too, I think is Kobe came about at the right time when essentially we started to get more access to athletes and popular figures in general. But also, and I, I don't just mean like like Twitter and stuff like that. I, I mean in the sense of sports became so much more heavily covered in Kobe's, like starting with Kobe's era and beyond, right? Like really in Jordan's time, even as big of a figure as Jordan was, you didn't have 24-7 sports coverage and like nine channels doing 24-7 sports coverage and specifically a basketball channel, right? All that stuff. So I I think it it helped too that it was at a time when we were allowed to be invited in more than we ever could be before. So thinking about how could we, how do we close this out? And what do you think of doing a Kobe Rosebud Thorn? Oof. Okay. So yeah, the you want to so, intro Rosebud yeah. Thorn to everybody. So for the listeners, so 
uh, Under 30 Experiences, the company that Matt is CEO, um, on the trips that Under 30 Experiences puts out and that they, they, we say, conduct, the trips that you run, there is a ritual on the final night of the trip called Rosebud Thorn, which is everyone who's there goes around and says their rose, their bud, and their thorn. The rose is what's essentially something like amazing that they can reflect on. The bud is what are they looking forward to as a result of their experience. And the thorn is what's the thorn in their side? Like what's the thing that just, I don't know, is irking them, bugging them, et cetera, and the, the problem point. So, I mean, I think we kind of know what the thorn is, but maybe we have different adaptations of it. So we'll do a Kobe rosebud thorn. Maybe we should just go rose, rose, bud, bud, thorn, thorn. Sure. Okay. You want me to start or you want to go first? So when you're, when you're in a group or you guys, listeners can do this with their family or their teams or whomever, uh, there's always pressure on who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you're sitting in the group and like, oh God, I'm still thinking. Uh, well, I had to explain what it was. So you technically had time to think about it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. If you want to throw it to me, I'll, I'll do my All very right, Matt, best. What's your rose for Kobe? My rose for Kobe. I would just say this translation above basketball. Just I appreciate NBA now. And I don't watch that much basketball right, at all, either. to be honest. I enjoy more seeing what the players are doing off the court. And I enjoy what content they're putting out on social media and how they are deciding to be independent content creators and start their own YouTube channels. Or I haven't watched a lot of NBA, but I did watch Kobe in the series that he was doing where he was breaking down games because that's inside access to, uh, you can watch him actually shooting and playing and all, all that's fun. But to be able to get inside this person's head and see what makes him successful, we really have a privilege in this day and age and people putting out good content and stuff that can inspire others and doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, just feel really grateful that there was somebody out there that was uh, just a class act and doing things for the right reason and, and putting out stuff that would really inspire people and, and push people to be better versions of themselves. So that's my rose. My rose is, and that's funny because like there are like individual like highlights going off in my head, but coming back to, I referenced it earlier, the Ramona Shelburne article on ESPN where, you know, he said, you know, we're not going to do a self-serving story. We're going to do something to inspire others. But later on in that article, she talked about how he kind of like became obsessed with storytelling and he would like cold call like JK Rowling and he would like call them multiple times a day to learn about them. And then how did they become masters of their craft? And what she writes here is that, you know, it was audacious. That was Kobe. He didn't just have an iron will or unyielding confidence in himself, he believed he could bend the universe to his will. I love that line. He believed he could bend the universe to his will. So that's kind of what I, I think it's what makes him so impactful. And that, that's my rose for this scenario here. 
The bud, what, I guess, looking ahead, what does this inspire in you? Sure. I mean, life is short. Kobe's was 41 years old, but he lived his dream. And he, <laughs> there probably were not a lot of days on this planet that he spent where he didn't give it his all in whatever he did. So just to know that there was somebody else out there who lived like that, I try to live like that myself. And uh, in fact, before this, Lou's actually, I would say a few months ago, I was on another Kobe binge and perhaps burning the candle at both ends and maybe working a little bit too hard at being a little too maniacal. She actually asked me to be a little less like Kobe, but I, I was incredibly flattered, but I also got the message, she, you know, like uh, rub her feet as much as Kobe probably rubbed his wife's feet. So yeah, just trying to live the best that I can every day and continue to be inspired. Yeah. You know, it's very similar to like, you know, how they personified Hamilton in the Hamilton musical, like that insatiable drive, that line they had in the musical, like, why do you write like you're running out of time? Like that kind of thing. For me, I think my butt in this is, I think it's just more, almost like doubling down on actually what my word for the year is. My, my theme for the year is leadership and play bigger. And I know what that means in a business context for me, but it also means like, how do I step up in my household uh, as a partner? How do I step up and be a leader in my family, right? In my relationships with my friends. And as we kind of saw, Kobe really did achieve balance, not by being menial at five different things, but by excelling at five different things all at once and kind of knowing what it means to step up and I think that's kind of what his belief was, right? Step up or step aside, regardless of what you're doing. So for me, I think what I, you know, when I look at my butt, it's further and almost maybe even fine-tuning my theme for myself for the year of leadership. Okay, the thorn. I guess in this sense, maybe how do you capture it? Like, how do you capture the, the loss or the pain or just the shock of it all? So sometimes... With uh, a rosebud thorn, a little, little hack for everybody out there who wants to play at home. I like to change we the, do the thorn second. Yeah, yeah rose thorn, thorn bud. <laughs> yeah, bud, what you're looking forward to end on a, on a high note. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess but, I didn't think that through. <laughs> I also have some, uh, I'm going to pull out, I've played this game many, many times with many different groups all over the world, our teams, family, all of that. And I'll, I'll pull one out because sometimes it's hard to really think of a, a thorn, especially we don't. I don't want to dwell on the most obvious tragedy here too much. But I would say that I don't have a thorn because I want to go out like Kobe did and not have any thorns, right? Not have any. Sure, there's some games that he lost that he would have liked to win and he would have probably liked to do better if you ask the guy Jordan would probably be really beat up about it but he knew that he did his very best in in so many aspects of life and you know that the guy probably didn't have a whole lot of 
regrets and laid it out every day, I would say no thorns taken. So mm. I'll I don't know if I'll have as profound a response for that. <laughs> I played uh, this game many times. Again, yeah, I guess maybe I'll end it dark. We'll have to figure out a way to end it lighter. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, when I think about this tragedy, especially the way it happened, there was probably five seconds or so, or maybe 10 seconds where they knew they were going to die. You know, like the helicopter was like in a free fall or whatever. And I don't know. It's just so wild to think like, what are these people who are all not just Kobe, but Gianna and the other seven people on, on the chopper? Like, what are they thinking in those last moments? You know? And I think whenever there's loss, whether it's this or someone close, you know, who's actually close. What I always, I guess, like struggle with is needing to make the transition from is to was, right? We now have to say Kobe was an amazing person. We have to say Kobe was a great basketball player. We don't get to say is anymore. And I always just, I don't know, it's like so strange to have to make that transition because it's like, you know, it's like was with a capital W. To me, that's like the, the real, I think, thorn of how I'm feeling about this. But I think we need to end on something, I don't know, I guess a little bit brighter than that. So if you have, if you got something to take us out, please do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about that many times over the last day. And he's a leader that could have been beating himself up in that position because here I am on my helicopter hate to say it, but, you know, we could have driven or, you know, yeah. leaders make those decisions. And my wife has to live without us now. And my daughter doesn't get to live her dream. But I guess coming back to spirit and what people think about when tragedies like this happen, I don't really know how all this happens, but Kobe decided, hey, I want to come and reincarnate as Kobe Bryant and that's that's my soul's calling and I want to come onto this planet and I'm you don't know this when you're human but I'm going to live 41 years and I'm going to give everything my all and it's crazy to think that some of the greats live such short lives maybe it was all planned out like this and and this kind of sacrifice of Kobe not getting to live to 100 will inspire so many more other people and put a magnifying glass down on what he was able to accomplish in his 41 years of life. And so if that's any silver lining, I mean, it's still terrible, but um, yeah, maybe that was his mission on this planet. And that's certainly all the time he needed. And yeah, incredible that he went out the way he did. Kobe Bryant. Born in 1978, dies in 2020, the age of 41. His daughter with him, Gianna, dies at the age of 13. May they both rest in peace. May we all find something that we can carry forward out of this, and may it be all part of a much more positive master plan at the end of the day. Matt, thanks for joining this impromptu discussion. Thanks for texting me, asking if I wanted to just chat about it. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. I, I don't know if we rambled or if we said anything of value, but at least, I don't know, I feel a little bit better having talked it out um, with someone. So thank you for being a good listener to me, Matt. Uh, I hope I was the same for you. This has been a 
unexpected bonus episode, Startup Hype Man, the podcast, and the Live Different podcast. Thanks, brother. Much love. Appreciate you.